The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I've been uh, studying on my own in the Old Testament law and uh, enjoyed, I'm sure y'all probably know a lot about uh, the uh, various offerings and sacrifices in the temple and the tabernacle and all of that. I've heard Brother David uh, deliver quite a few messages on that and I've gleaned a lot from those. I've been trying to study that out focusing um, on the verse in the New Testament from John chapter 5, search the scriptures. He's talking to the Pharisees there, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And we always need to read the Old Testament looking for Jesus. And uh, I've had a great time myself studying that out and seeing Jesus all throughout the Mosaic Law. And then, obviously, we see Jesus uh, very heavily in the temple and in the tabernacle. And um, one aspect of that that points primarily toward Jesus is the role of the great high priest. And we know what he did, especially on the Day of Atonement, and went uh, one time a year into the Holiest of Holies and sprinkled blood on the mercy seat uh, and that's a beautiful picture of Jesus as the great high priest, okay? But in addition to the role of the great high priest, there were other priests and Levites that made continual sacrifices in first the tabernacle and then later the temple, okay? So obviously the great high priest is pointing toward Jesus Christ and he's the only one uh, at least for that time period, that had authority to go into the holiest of holies. Now, we are glad for the, the imagery and the picture that it gives us in the Gospels that after Jesus gave up the ghost and cried out, it is finished, that's when the veil of the temple was rent in twain, right? So we have the ability to enter into, uh, because we are, which is what we want to focus on tonight, that we are New Testament kings and priests. We have a New Testament priesthood. And because of that, we don't have to go into a confessional and, and uh, confess our sins to somebody else who calls themselves a priest. No, we have direct access into the holiest of holies, right? So with that thought in mind, I want to uh, think about ourselves and our individual life uh, as being kings and priests, the holy priesthood that we've been given, but also particularly focusing on the spiritual sacrifices that we offer unto God, okay? Now, I'm sure you know very well that the Old Testament gives natural pictures of natural people in a natural kingdom. And one of the main reasons why God set up things in the way that he did and suffered things in the way that he did is to use those natural things to teach spiritual lessons for the New Testament kingdom, right? Because the New Testament kingdom is spiritual, and he uses those natural things 
to teach spiritual lessons for us here in the New Testament kingdom today. So there were, in the Old Testament, there were Levites that made daily sacrifices, right? Twice a day, twice a day at roughly 9 a.m. and then 3 p.m., the daily sacrifice. And it was their responsibility to do that, but also they took care of a lot of other sacrifices, the drink offering, the peace offering. I'm sure y'all know them all really well. I'm on, I've only heard a handful of Brother David's sermons. I'm sure y'all know all those offerings very well. But it was the uh, responsibility of the priest to offer those sacrifices, okay? And now we have been commissioned, which by the way, there, we won't get into that, but, but there's a beautiful picture of uh, the way in which a priest was sanctified and had to be washed and had to be cleansed to, be, uh, to, be, to have the authority to make those sacrifices. They had to go through a washing and a cleansing, which is the washing and the cleansing that we have to have of the Holy Ghost before we are uh, acceptable to make sacrifices to God. So here in 1 Peter chapter 2, it describes God's people as having a holy priesthood and royal priesthood, and we are commanded just as the role of the priest, um, the, the Levites. Now, certainly there's aspects of the Le Levitical priesthood that point us toward the ministry as well. Good lessons for that. But uh, the inheritance, they, they did not have land. The Levites did not have an allocation of land that was attributed to them. Instead, they had various cities sprinkled throughout the other lands and the cities of refuge and such. But it specifically denotes in the Old Testament that the Levites, that they didn't have land as their inheritance. It says that the Lord was their inheritance. And that, that is kind of exciting for us as New Testament priests, right? Is that uh, the Lord is our inheritance. And one of the privileges of the Lord being our inheritance is that we have a responsibility to make spiritual sacrifices. Right? We have a responsibility to do that. First Peter chapter 2, we'll begin reading here in verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men and chosen of God and precious, which speaking of Jesus Christ certainly, we, <clears throat> excuse me, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And why were we commissioned as a holy priesthood? to offer up spiritual sacrifices. The Old Testament natural Levites offered natural sacrifices of natural blood of bulls and goats, right? But we offer spiritual sacrifices in our spiritual New Testament kingdom to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And we'll go ahead and skip to verse 9, verses 6 to 8 are talking about Christ as the cornerstone. Verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, why were you a chosen generation? Why are you set aside, sanctified, set apart as a, as a, uh, as a holy and a royal priesthood for this purpose? For this purpose that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now we're going to highlight quite a few other specific sacrifices that we offer, but I want to read this one very quickly. 
because it denotes that this royal priesthood is supposed to show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I mean, go all the way back to before the beginning of the world. Why did, uh, why did God choose a people to save? For what purpose? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. I mean, God chose out some people to praise him for choosing them. <laughs> right? That's why God chose his people. So one of the sacrifices that we offer back unto God... Now, now, obviously, there are some heavy sacrifices that we're called on to make, but some of these are, uh, we might consider them to be almost small and trivial. What could we possibly, kind of getting ahead of myself, um, in Psalm 116, it says, what, uh, what could we possibly uh, offer? What could I give back to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? What could I possibly offer? Well, it says, offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I mean, that, that's a good start, right, isn't it? it? It's the first thing you can do is say, thank you, Jesus, right? <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And uh, there's much more we need to be doing other than that, but that's a good starting place. And it says here in Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 15, something very similar. By him, therefore, and that's a great point as well, we can't even, even something as simple as the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, we can't even offer that right without God giving us the ability to do it. <laughs> by him, by him, therefore, let us offer what sacrifices, what spiritual sacrifices can we offer back unto God? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise to God, how often? How, how often should we be, con uh, I kind of got ahead of myself there. Uh, how often should we be making this sacrifice? Continually. Continually. Because God's just that good. <laughs> and he's just that great, right? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's a very simple sacrifice that we can make unto God, right? And we should certainly do that every day. In everything, give thanks according to the will of God. Let's go to, um, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Uh, and maybe Brother David can clarify this. Um, I think, I know they had two sacrifices, uh, one in the morning and one in the evening. But I think part of the purpose of that was for that that sacrifice in the morning to be burning continually and then about the time that that burning was dying out was when you made the, after, the afternoon sacrifice. The purpose is that there was a continual sacrifice being made, right? It wasn't necessarily just two sacrifices at, at uh, different points of the day. It was, a, it was supposed to be a continual sacrifice. And that's the kind of spiritual sacrifices that we offer back unto God, right? Continually. Continually. Rejoice evermore. We're going to talk about prayer. Prayer is a sacrifice that we offer back unto God. Well, how, how often are we supposed to pray? Pray without ceasing. The altar of incense that describes the, our prayers coming up as a sweet-smelling savor of incense to God. How often should that savor be coming up? 
Well, we should be praying always and without ceasing, right? So Romans chapter 12 and in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, because we have a holy priesthood, right? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So where, what, what is the setting? What, what is the setting that we make our spiritual sacrifices? Okay, well, where was the uh, Old Testament Levites commanded to make their sacrifices? First in the tabernacle, or outside the tabernacle, uh, in the tabernacle, and then later in the temple. Well, we find in the New Testament that both the tabernacle and the temple is used to describe our bodies. We find that in, in uh, Corinthians, in both 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Our bodies are described as a tabernacle, and our bodies are also described as a temple. So in what location was the Levite and the priest supposed to make their sacrifices? Well, in the tabernacle and in the temple, right? So in what location, in what location do we make our spiritual sacrifices? In our bodies. In our bodies. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That, that is the... If, we, if you think about the duty of a Levite, okay? You were provided for by the offerings of everyone else in the nation of Israel. Literally, the least you could do is the bare minimum of your, of your job, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the least you could do. Now you, you should, as it, with anything, do it heartily unto the Lord. You, you know, you should give it, give it your best as a Levite too. But, but the least you could do is your reasonable service because that's what you've been called to, right? As a Levite, that's what you've been called to is to make these sacrifices. So therefore, you are commanded to make those sacrifices and... It's literally the least you can do, <laughs> right? Okay, let's highlight a couple of these, a couple of these spiritual sacrifices. It spoke there in Romans chapter twelve about about our bodies. Let's go to Luke chapter twenty-three. Luke chapter twenty-three, and there's quite a few verses in the Gospels and in other places that say something very similar. But I usually try to use this verse from Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 because it denotes the frequency of which we're supposed to do this. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Daily. That's the word that this verse highlights. We should take up our cross daily and follow me. Whoso, <clears throat> for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That sounds a lot like a daily living sacrifice, doesn't it? That sounds a lot like you laying down your life every day for the benefit of others and the Lord and the kingdom, right? You take up the cross of Christ upon yourself and you deny yourself. You deny yourself and offer that spiritual sacrifice 
back unto God. We lay down our bodies and our life for the kingdom. This is uh, displayed in the life of the Apostle Paul. Um, Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And the word that's going to be used as offered here, both here and in 2 Timothy chapter 4, this word literally means a drink offering, to be poured out as a drink offering. Okay? So this is another aspect of the spiritual sacrifices that we offer back unto God in the temple of our bodies. Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 17. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all for the same cause. Also do you joy and rejoice with me. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is that I have poured out my life for you, for the church, for the kingdom, for the people of God. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And the apostle wrote in another place that I'm willing to endure all things for the elect's sake. He, He listed off in the Corinthian letter all the things that he had suffered for the people of God. He'd been shipwrecked and he'd been beaten and he'd been whipped and persecuted and forsaken in all this. Well, why did he endure all that? What he's describing is my life has been poured out like a drink offering. My life has been poured out. Well, why did he do all that? Why was he willing as a minister of the gospel to spend and be spent? For the elect's sake. I hope you understand that. That those of us that are called to the ministry and called especially in the role of a pastor, our greatest joy is to see our spiritual children walking in truth. We, we pour out our life for you. You understand that? That's the purpose of the ministry is to pour out our life for you. And I love in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul knows he's about to die, knows, knows he only has a few brief moments left. And there's so much that can be gleaned from 2 Timothy chapter 4 with the last words of the Apostle Paul in inspired scripture. And he's kind of meditating and reflecting back on the the full course of his ministry. And he says here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And I love the Apostle Paul is saying, I have spent my life pouring myself out for the Lord and for the kingdom and his church. My life has been characterized by being poured out. He says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You know, that should be the, uh, that should be the life of the minister, but the minister should set the example and the tone for the rest of the church to follow. (laughs) You should be poured out for the kingdom and poured out for the Lord as well. But the ministers have to set the example for the church to follow. But I love how the Apostle Paul is saying, I am going to die the same way that I lived. (laughs) 
which is being poured out. I am ready to be poured out because I've been poured out for the last 30 years. I've been poured out uh, ever since the Lord called me into the ministry and born him again on the road to Damascus. Ever since then, I have been poured out for the kingdom. I've been poured out as a drink offering, and now I hope the Lord will uh, allow me to be, to. and that, that's what he is essentially saying when he says that to live as Christ is to die as gain. I want to die the same way I've lived. And how did he live? By being poured out. By being poured out figuratively as a drink offering. Let's look at uh, let's look at our prayers. Let's go to uh, Revelation chapter eight. Revelation chapter eight. <clears throat> Begin reading in verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. Now, the book of Revelation is written with an eternal subject in earthly terms. <laughs> so, you know, when in heaven where everything is eternal, is there a half hour in heaven I tend to think not, you know, I don't think, I don't think there's a big clock right by the throne of, of God, <laughs> uh, I, but I think we, we can understand that a half hour is a short period of time, but it's a little bit longer than just a minute or two, but it's not a long extended period of time. But this always amazes me that there, there is apparently, possibly figuratively, uh, silence in heaven, you know, because... Uh, if you think about this, this is, I believe this is saying there was silence in heaven to listen to the prayers of the saints, but there's prayers of the saints going up all the time, but yet at the same time, there are people that are worshiping the lamb perpetually. So it's, if they're always stopping to listen to the, to the prayers, they would not be singing very much because there's always prayers coming up. But it is pretty amazing to think about the fact that what was the reason why there was silence in heaven? Yes, the seventh seal was opened, but it's almost as if the Lord wanted everybody to be quiet <laughs> so everyone could hear the prayers of the saints ascending before the throne. And that's a beautiful picture for us to be reminded of how intimately the Lord listens to our prayers. So there's silence in heaven for the space of about a half an hour. Verse 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense which came up with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. That was another important aspect of the worship, particularly in the tabernacle, right? is right before you went into the holiest of holies, there was an altar of incense that was intended to be burning, I believe perpetually. I believe it was supposed to be burning all the time. And who was it who made sure that that was burning? Well, it wasn't always the great high priest. It was those, it was those Levites, right, that had been chosen for that task. And obviously we are commanded to pray without ceasing, praying always with all prayer and supplication. And our, our, our sacrifice of prayers 
comes up as a sweet-smelling savor to God. Um, I can only imagine how much the Lord loves to hear the prayers of his children and how disappointed he is when we neglect that communication with Lord. And I've heard some prayer, uh, some messages on that recently, and we always need to hear good exhortations to um, those daily disciplines that sometimes we neglect in. And every time I hear a message on prayer, I, I know that I'm still falling short, that I need to be more diligent in my prayer life and more diligent in my, my dedication and my fervency. And I don't have any natural children, but I can only imagine how exciting it is, especially if you've been separated for a period of time, to hear the voice and the phone call of that child you haven't seen for a long time, right? I, I believe the Lord loves to hear the prayers of his children. I believe that. And because he's such a good father, if we pray, pray in the right way, according to his will, with the right spirit and with the right heart, he's also very inclined to give uh, his children what they stand in need of when we pray and submit to the will of God. You know, he's a, uh, the Lord says that if you, being evil, give good gifts to your children, how much more so, right? How much more so is the Lord going to be willing to give you good things? And actually, there in that context, uh, it's not just talking about receiving, receiving material things. He's saying, I'm, if you pray for the Holy Ghost, I'll give you the Holy Ghost. And that's what we need to pray for every day, certainly, is the guidance and the direction of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to uh, Psalm chapter 116. And we will go ahead and conclude here. Psalm 116, again reading in verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? That's a very good thing to meditate on. What could I possibly offer back to the sovereign God of this universe who has everything, who already has the cattle on a thousand hills, already owns everything in this world. What could I possibly offer back up to God? And I think that's a very good thing to meditate on um, at all times, uh, but particularly leading up to um, later in this month of Thanksgiving. And you may be one of those people who just wants to plow right through Thanksgiving and start putting up Christmas stuff. Uh, but... I think that we don't need to skip over Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think it's a very good time, especially since we have a little bit more time to ourselves, a little bit more time away from the busyness of our schedule, to take a little bit more time and just meditate on all of the blessings that God has given us in our life. And the first thing you should do is offer the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, right? The first thing you should do but also, after you've meditated on that, it should also give you more zeal to, in the future, be more diligent in making daily sacrifices and laying down my life and denying myself because God has been so good to me. Okay? But what could I possibly render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? And there's... Um,
the, when the Lord forgave our immense 10,000 talent debt, I want you to understand there is no way, even with thousands of eternities of worship and praise, there is no way we can ever pay off that debt of what the Lord has done for us. There's no way that we can ever balance the scales, okay? But the least we could do is to continually offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving for all of his benefits and blessings toward me. He says here in verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. That's another one of those sacrifices, isn't it? Of prayer, calling upon the name of the Lord. But one of the most important aspects of uh, presenting your body a living sacrifice, and uh, you need to do that on a daily basis, it's one of the things we're trying to highlight, but also at a bare minimum, it is your responsibility to present your body a living sacrifice at least once a week on the Lord's day in public worship and not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Right. Now, as you have opportunity, you should do it a lot more than that. Right. Okay. But what is one way that we can render praise and sacrifice and thanksgiving back to God for his blessing. I will pay my vows, but where do you pay your vows? I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, right? You need to be in worship with like-minded believers. And there is a specific, we can certainly feel the Lord's presence in our private devotions, but we feel the, the presence of the Lord in, in such a strong, powerfully, and more, more amplified, more manifest way in public worship as more people come together with the same spirit to worship the Lord. So where do you pay your vows? Now in the presence of all his people. That's one, one aspect of presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, right? And there's a lot of other things that in a natural sense we could do once, twice, three times or more a week. But you make a sacrifice to put the Lord first instead of you going and performing and engaging in all the activities of the world. You make a sacrifice to pay your vows in the presence of all his people. And verse 15, right in the middle here of this context, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Isn't it a blessing for those that we have seen live that kind of a life, that it's a, it is truly a homegoing celebration to have their funeral. Now, there's some funerals that aren't near as encouraging to attend and aren't near as uh, comforting to preach their, their funeral message. <laughs> why? Well, one of the reasons why is maybe they've neglected paying their vows in the presence of all of God's people. What a blessing when God's people live in such a way that not only the Lord will view it as precious, but that we can view it as precious. Go ahead and skip to verse 17. I will offer unto thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. In everything we should give thanks according to the will of God. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Notice how these things are being repeated. I will pay my vows, again being repeated, now in the presence of all his people, not forsaking 
the assembling of ourselves together in the courts of the Lord's house in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. Now, another aspect of this we, we won't highlight tonight, but if you study in the Old Testament, you will find that Levites had different roles, especially in the tabernacle when the tabernacle moved from place to place. Certain families were responsible for different aspects of the tabernacle and carrying that, uh, uh, that specific part uh, as they moved to another location. And I think that's a great reminder as well that every single Levite, all of us that are New Testament kings and priests, every one of us is valuable in the kingdom. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a role. And regardless of if you're the one that is called to, uh, in the Old Testament sense, to, to offer the, the lamb on the burnt altar, or if you're the one who's carrying the snuff dishes <laughs> and carrying the, the non-glamorous things to the next location, well, you know what? You are all honoring the Lord by you performing your duty as uh, a New Testament Levite, holy and a royal priesthood, and we offer up spiritual sacrifices unto the Lord for what purpose? For what purpose? You certainly don't see any of the Levites trying to draw attention to themselves. The focus was always on God, right? Always on Jehovah God. Why did they do that? To honor the Lord, to glorify the Lord. And we've been called for a purpose. We've been set aside and sanctified for that purpose that we, that we should show forth the praises of him that's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light and to allow our bodies, the temple and the tabernacle of our bodies, to be a living sacrifice. And we hope that our prayers can come up in such a way that are sweet-smelling savor. But more than that, we hope the totality of our life come up, comes up as a sweet-smelling savor that's honoring to our God. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.